0: Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is the Why Is That Podcast. Welcome back to the Why Is That Podcast. Back in July, we had a special episode on America where we discussed the origin of the name America. If you did not listen to the episode, the short version is that it was named after Amerigo Vespucci. In today's episode, I thought it would be great fun to explore the names of the other five continents. We will start with Antarctica. Today's introduction song was Freaking You Out by Antartigo Vespucci. As you might have guessed, the band's name is a joke name based on the namesake of America, and not really the namesake of Antarctica. I thought it was pretty funny, so I figured I would reference it to you. If you're interested in listening to the whole song, you can find the link in the description to the official YouTube page. Unlike our other continents, Antarctica has incredibly harsh climate and very little to nothing in terms of natural resources. This means that even after the landmass was discovered by explorers, there was very little reason to visit or name the landmass. As a result, the continent did not receive its official name until the year 1886, when the Scottish cartographer John George Bartholomew prepared a map and labeled the southern continent Antarctica. John George's father founded a company that published maps called John Bartholomew and Son Limited. John the Father primarily focused on printing the maps of other firms, but John George decided to venture into publishing maps the company produced themselves. Over time, John George became one of the foremost geographers and cartographers in the world. Sir John Murray's HMS Challenger Expedition explored the Southern Hemisphere and contracted John George to map the discoveries of the expedition. John Murray had a presentation scheduled with the Royal Scottish Geographical Society to discuss the expedition, and John George personally produced the map. As the southernmost continent was a major piece of the expedition, it needed to appear, and prior to that presentation, the continent had no official name. It was on that map that John George first decided to label the landmass as Antarctica. After that presentation, each map that his firm produced labeled the continent Antarctica. Popularity of the name grew through the 1890s, but some attempted to popularize other names as the region was further explored. Unfortunately for those people, none of them stuck. In 1902, other geographers started to follow John George's lead, and by 1928, it was universally acknowledged as the name of the continent. So, why did he pick Antarctica as the name? I probably would have went with Trabtopia or something like that. Luckily, John George was a little bit more professional. Despite the recency of the naming, Antarctica actually has its root with the ancient Greeks. In ancient Greek, the word Arctos meant bear, and specifically referred to a constellation in the northern sky that looked like a bear. Today we know this constellation as Ursa Major, or as the Big Dipper, whichever you prefer. This constellation is thought to date all the way back to the Indo-Europeans, and is even mentioned in Homer. In the second century, the astronomer and geographer Ptolemy actually references the Arctos constellation as one of his 48 original constellations. Long before Ptolemy, the ancient Greeks only knew of the lands around the Mediterranean, but based on the calculations and beliefs, it was thought that these known lands were balanced by unknown land masses on the southern side of the world. It is unknown exactly when this belief began, or if it even had other names, But by the first century, Greek writers referred to this unknown massive land as Antarktos. Arctos referred to the bear constellation, and Ant meant opposite. So put together, it meant opposite side of the bear. This same naming scheme is also how we get our name for the Arctic, Arcticos, meaning near the bear, which meant the northern land. In recognition of this tradition, early explorers referred to the southernmost landmass as either Terra Australis, Polus Antarcticus, South Pole, or just simply as Unexplored Antarctic Region. This means that John George did not invent the name from whole cloth, but he received credit as the one who named the continent because he was the first to refer specifically to the continent in this way on a map and not just the region or just as a placeholder. That is our first continent. Next we will look at Australia, the land down under, g'day mate, kangaroo jack, all that other stuff. The naming of Australia shares some similarities with both the Americas and Antarctica. For the America portion, Australia was an inhabited landmass when European explorers first came across it in 1606. Those explorers just kind of did not care about any prior names of the locals and named it by themselves. Two names for it became popular. The first will eventually be anglicized and used. It was Terra Australis. The other name that became popular was New Holland. Not exactly original, but it was catchy and easy to say. The first Europeans to make landfall in Australia were Dutch explorers, and in 1644 Abel Tasman named the land for his homeland, New Holland. This remained the official name for the continent until the early 1800s. New Holland started to fall out of use after James Cook started exploring the eastern coastline of Australia and claimed it all for the British. In 1788, the British founded Sydney as a penal colony and called their whole settlement of the eastern half of the continent New South Wales. This caused the west to be called New Holland and the east New South Wales. This meant the continent as a whole needed a new name. Before getting to this name, I should note, New Holland has fallen completely out of use, even in the Netherlands. New South Wales is still the name of the eastern state in the country of Australia, but don't feel too bad for the man who originally named the continent, Abel Tasman. He still gets to have Tasmania named after him, which in my opinion is much cooler. As I mentioned, the first name that was applied to Australia was Terra Australis. This approximately translates to southern land or Southland. Similar to Antarctica, the name Terra Australis was the name of a hypothetical southern landmass to balance the known landmass in the ancient Latin world. We have documentation of this theory as early as the 5th century in the maps of Macrobius. Macrobius was a Roman provincial who lived during the last century of the Western Roman Empire. One of his surviving maps includes the hypothetical landmass with the label Australis. As the name New Holland fell out of use, the British explorer Matthew Flinders started a campaign to officially name the continent Australia. He argued that there was no probability of finding a more southern landmass, so it made sense to name it Australia. Flinders published the book A Voyage to Terra Australis, undertaken for the purpose of completing the discovery of the vast country and prosecuted in the years 1801, 1802, and 1803 in His Majesty's Ship the Investigator. The reason for his voyage was to circumnavigate and prove that the landmass was one continual continental landmass. The voyage proved that, and for that, Flinders thought it deserved the lustrous title of the prophesied southern land. Flinders' argument was popular and won the day. Soon the use of the name Australia became common and in time it became official. So much like in the case of Antarctica, Australia was named to honor an ancient hypothesized landmass that was in the south. Both were the culmination of those early deductions. Kind of neat. Our final three continents have had their names for far longer than our other four. In each case, the likely origin dates all the way back to prehistory, which means we can make hypotheses, but there's no way to know for certain. In 146 BCE, the Romans sacked the city of Carthage and won the Third Punic War by conquering the Carthaginians. The Romans would rebuild the city of Carthage and would make the rebuilt city the capital of the new Roman province of Africa. The Roman province, Africa Proconsularis occupied the northern area of Africa west of Egypt. As far as the geography of the Roman Empire, in the 2nd century CE, the Roman geographer Ptolemy provides us with the definitions of his time. For him, the city of Alexandria in Egypt was the prime meridian, with the land lying to the west being the continent of Africa, and the land to the east, that of Asia. The exact definitions and boundaries have varied throughout time, but that is how it stood back then. Over time, Roman rule expanded somewhat to the interior of Africa, and various provincial reforms changed the exact names of the Roman provinces. Even so, the area was always generally known as Africa by the Romans, and this is shown by the reforms of Diocletian, who placed the multiple provinces on Africa into the diocese of Africa. However, Egypt got its own diocese, so not everything was simple. By interior of Africa, I should mention that I do not mean sub-Saharan Africa. At this time, the Sahara Desert was very difficult to pass and basically stood as a land sea that kept the two areas completely separate. As the world was explored more and more, it was slowly discovered just how far south the continent went. Those explorers predominantly lived in the area that was controlled by the former Roman Empire, so even though each place they discovered had their own names, it just seemed natural to continue to group them together as the continent of Africa. That very briefly explains how the name of Africa came to define the whole continent, but it does not answer where the name originated. In my research, I was not able to find a full consensus for the etymology of Africa. Prior to the Roman period, we discussed the land west of Egypt was more commonly known as Libya. The most common explanation for the name change to Africa is that there was an ancient Libyan tribe who were known as the Afri, or alternatively it was just inhabitants of Libya and not just a single tribe who were known as the Afri. Afri is believed to have derived from the Phoenician word afar, which means dust. So it would be like the dust people. Phoenician colonization did reach Libya, so the Phoenician language would have been spoken in parts of Libya, however, the connection is a bit of a debate. The ancient Libyans are generally viewed as the ancestor of the modern Berbers, and this would have been particularly true for the purported Efri tribe or peoples. Through the Berber language, we find an alternate option for the Efri name in the word Ifri, with an I, which in the plural form is Ifran. This word means cave. Similarly to how we call our very, very old ancestors cavemen, the term Afri would basically have meant cave dwellers, if this was the correct term. The Berber Ifri term can also be found in the name of the Zanata Berber tribe, who were prominent in the pre-Islamic period of North Africa. They established a kingdom in central Maghreb, and prior to that were known for their resistance to the Roman and Vandal rule. This tribe was known as the Afranids, or Banu Ifran, or as the children of Ifran. Additionally, after the Islamic conquest of Africa, the name was brought to Arabic as Afrikiya, spelled with an I, which could be significant as it could mean that it was only an A in Latin, but it also could not mean anything. So one way or the other, the inhabitants of northwestern Africa were known as the Afri at the time of Roman conquest. The Ica was added to Afri as the Latin suffix Ica can mean land. Africa then would mean land of the Afri. This could also be seen in the land of the Celts being called Celtica. This Afri tribe giving its name to Africa is the most common explanation and after my research is the one that I subscribe to. But I figure I should provide you with a quick recap of the other alternatives so you can make up your own mind. The Patriarch of the Three Abrahamic Religions, that is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, was a man by the name of Abraham. His story is recounted in the book of Genesis. Abraham's grandson was named Epher. According to Josephus, the descendants of Epher invaded ancient Libya and were then named for him, so the Ephers would have been the Ephraim of Roman times, with the Latin spelling changing just slightly. The Latin word aprica means sunny, so Africa would have meant sunny place. Alternatively, the Latin word africus meant south wind. Africa is to the south, so Africa would mean southern place. In ancient Egyptian religion, the soul had three parts the Ka, the Ba, and the Ak. The Ka was essentially a person's double. The opening of the Ka would have referred to a person's birthplace. The Egyptian phrase Afru Ka meant to turn toward the opening of the Ka. In other words, Afruka was the birthplace of Egyptians. If you shove those three words together, you get Afrika, or the birthplace of the Egyptians. Egypt is in Africa, which makes Africa the birthplace of the Egyptians. Therefore, Afruka becomes the continent name Africa. During the time of King Solomon, the Hebrew Bible references a region called Ophir. Every three years, King Solomon received a large cargo hold of wealth from the region. If Ophir refers to Africa, then King Solomon received his wealth from a port in Africa, which was called Ophir. The Hebrew word would have then been Romanized to Africa. It should be noted that there is no scholarly consensus for where Ophir actually was located, with many of the Jewish tradition actually arguing that it was in modern-day India. But Africa is the other top contender although one scholar even claims that it could be in Peru, and the Solomon Islands were named that because the European explorer who found them thought that they were the ancient Ifir, The Philippines and Sri Lanka are also potential options, so this one gets a little confusing. The final theory that we're going to discuss for Africa's name came from the Himyarite kingdom, which ruled in ancient Yemen. Purportedly, there was a king by the name of African ibn Khas ibn Safi, his name then provided the name of the region, Afrikin, Africa. The problem with this theory is that the Himyarite kingdom was established in 110 BCE, and the Romans had conquered and named the African province in 146 BCE. So while this one could have made a lot of sense, it is the only one I'll say just does not work with the timeline. The name Asia is thought to be one of the most ancient place names in the world. If we're honest, we have even less of an idea of the origin than we did with Africa. Similar to Africa, it does seem that the original use of the term Asia was more localized during its first use, but over time grew to encompass the entirety of the continent. This process, though, is quite ancient as the absolute latest the term took on our modern definition of the Asian continent was during the lifetime of Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder referred to Europe and Asia as separate continents in his writing and lived from 23 to 79 CE. He famously died in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius during a rescue mission to Pompeii, although if he died in August or October of that year has been a debate for some years. Ancient graffiti was recently unearthed in the excavation of Pompeii that points to the date of October 17th as the date of destruction. If that is true, then we just passed the 1939th anniversary of the explosion this past weekend. Pretty exciting stuff happening in the world of archaeology this week, and I had a lot of fun on Twitter following it all. The concept of Asia as being a separate land from Europe seems to have originally been a Greek civilization concept. With that said, though, the word Asia may not have been Greek in origin. The archaeologist Helmuth Bosert was best known for his excavation of the Hittite fortress city at Karatepe in modern-day Turkey. Through his work, he became an expert of the Hittite Empire and was appointed professor of linguistics and art of ancient Asia Minor at Istanbul University. His findings held lead to the decryption of the Hittite hieroglyphics. This decryption provided loads of information about the ancient world of Asia Minor. A particular note was the finding of a league or confederation of 22 different ancient Anatolian states that formed sometime before 1400 BCE to oppose the Hittite Empire. This confederation was known as the Asuwa League. There is very, very limited information about the Asuwa League, as the only information on them that survives is in fragmentary tablets. There are two fragmentary letters that seem to imply that the Asuwa Rebellion was in some way supported by Mycenaean Greece. This rebellion would have been crushed by 1200 BCE. Bosworth makes the claim that it was this league, the Asuwa, who were the inspiration for the place name of Asia. I personally like this theory, but with only fragmentary information known about the confederation it is obviously impossible to say with any certainty. In the Linear B script of Mycenaean Greece, there is reference to a place that, by all intents and purposes, appears to be Asia. Of particular note would be the reference to Asawi, meaning women of Asia, Aswios, meaning men of Asia. There is also reference to Aswia, which seems to denote the name of a country or place. As we just mentioned, the Mycenaean Greeks appear to have been familiar with the Asua League, so Aswia could be the Greek spelling for Asua, and these could all be related. Or Aswia is in reference to a place we otherwise have no other information about. Either way, it seems like a strong option that a tribe or group of people in Asia Minor who had contact with the Greeks would have referred to themselves in some ways similar to the word Asia. Then, like the Afri did for Africa... Those Asians provided their name for the land in which they lived. The top alternate theory offers an explanation for both Europe and Asia. It holds that Europe was named after a word for West, and Asia was named for a word for East. There are two main contenders for the language in which this originated. In Assyrian, the word Asu means East, and Ereb means West. So Asu would have morphed to Asia and Arab to Europe, and Arab is spelled EREB. The other option is Akkadian. The word wasum means to ascend, as in the sun ascends. This could mean that Asia would have meant something akin to the land of the rising sun as the sun rises in the east. The word Erebum would mean to set, as in sunset, so Europe would have meant the land of the setting sun as the sun sets in the west. The Mycenaean Greeks disappear by 1100 BCE. The Hittite Empire, or at least the pieces left after their battle with the Assyrians, survived as the Neo-Hittite city-states until they were beaten by the Neo-Assyrian Empire at the absolute latest disappearing by the 8th century BCE. The Assyrian Empire lost influence during the time of the Bronze Age collapse, but did survive as the Neo-Assyrian Empire until 609 BCE. The Akkadian Empire is perhaps the oldest empire in history, but it had been defeated and disbanded by 2154 BCE. You might be wondering why I'm giving you all of these dates. I wanted to highlight when each of these potential origin points for our name of Asia would have been gone. The latest of all of them was 609 BCE. This is important because even by 200 years later, a completely different explanation was common for the origin of the name of Asia. Scholars today generally believe it was one of the options I already presented, but before the excavations and deeper studies into these ancient languages, a different explanation persisted for centuries. This explanation is no longer widely supported by scholars, but due to the person who provided it, the explanation did hold sway for a long period of time. The father of history, as Herodotus is often called, provides us with the explanation. In his words, he received the name and explanation from other geographers and experts whose work unfortunately does not survive to the present day. Herodotus lived from approximately 484 to 425 BCE and wrote the book The Histories. It describes the Greco-Persian Wars and in it provides a lot of great information about the civilizations involved. In the book, he provides the name of the landmass where Greece resides called Europa, where Persia resides called Asia, and where Egypt resides called Libya. His exact dividing line between the three being the Nile River for Africa and Asia, and either the Phasis or the Don Rivers for Asia and Europe. In his explanation, he explains that each of these three landmasses were named for women. For Asia, he provides two options. Herodotus states that the Greeks believed that Asia was named after the mythological Asia. According to Herodotus, Asia was the wife of Prometheus, but most surviving traditions indicate that Asia was the mother of Prometheus. This might have just been a mistake by Herodotus, or it could represent a separate tradition that has not survived, or it could be a translation error that occurred much later. Either way, to the Greeks it was this mythological Asia who eventually provided her name for the continent, but he does not really answer why it is named for her, only that it was. His second explanation is one that he states is according to Lydian tradition. This tradition holds that the son of Kotois was named Aes. This Aes rose to provenance, and the Aziad clan at Sardis took their name from him. Sardis was located in modern-day Turkey. In this option, it would hold that the continent was then named for this group of people, which is common to our other theories, just with those people receiving their name in a slightly different way. If you are like Herodotus and you wonder why place names have female names, then we have only to read Hesiod for an explanation. He explains that places are under the care of female divinities and thus are named after them. This would be the same concept of Athena being the patron deity of Athens. This represents the most common theories for the etymology of Asia and a few for Europe too. For our first strictly Europe etymology, we will stay with Herodotus. The Greek opinion is that Europa was a queen of Crete of Phoenician origin. She was the mother of King Minos and a consort of Zeus as she was abducted by Zeus while he was in the form of a white bull. This name would have been made up of two elements of the Greek language. The first, Eurus, would have meant wide or broad, and the second, Ops which would have meant eye or face. So put together, this would translate to either wide gazing or broad of aspect. So you could think of it like as far as the eye could see or just as a large, broad land. It is not exactly clear why her name was eventually used to designate the whole of Europe, but that is a story that the Greeks told. It could be because King Minos wanted to honor his mother and he was quite powerful, or it could be her connection to Zeus or it could be one of a million other reasons. We already discussed the origin theory that Europe derived from one of a few different ancient words for either west or the place of the sunset in opposition to Asia's east or place of the sunrise, so I won't reiterate here. The final theory, and my personal favorite, is that the place name actually predates the Greeks and the Greek language. This theory goes back to the Proto-Indo-European and their language. If you listen to the History of English podcast, then you already know that it is believed that Proto-Indo-European was a language spoken from approximately 4500 to 2500 BCE, and that the language is the oldest traceable ancestor of not only the English language, but also the modern Germanic, Romance, Greek, Baltic, Slavic, Celtic, and Iranian language families. Basically, Proto-Indo-European is the language grandpa of a good portion of our modern languages and represents a linked ancient culture. Scholars have long been working on reconstructing this ancient language, and one of the words that they have connected is that word iurus I mentioned a moment ago. The Greek word iurus would have descended from Proto-Indo-European language, which also meant broad. More broadly, though, iurus was used as an epithet for the earth. So if you were to describe the earth as broad, it is logical that over time you might come to think of the land you reside on as broad. So as these people discovered the lands of Asia and Africa, they would have continued to describe their own land as broad, but perhaps not these new lands. Then over time, perhaps you lose the original meaning, and people just think that the distinct land of the Europeans was broad, or in this case, Eurus, or Europa. Perhaps it works, perhaps it does not, Perhaps we are missing a steps. Either way, these are the most common theories for the naming and etymology of Europe. Okay, that does it for today's episode. That should answer your question for where the names of each continent originated. Let me know if you disagree with any of my favorites and why, and then we can talk about it. Maybe we will be the ones to finally prove it definitively. Probably not, but if you do want to get in touch with me, you can do so on Twitter or on Facebook at why Is that pod by email, why is that pod at gmail.com, or online at whyisthatpodcast.blogspot.com. Please be sure to subscribe so you can listen to all future episodes. The show is hosted on ACAST, but available on all major podcast apps, including Podcast Republic, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Podcast Addict, and I'm sure a few more. If you would like to help the show grow, please tell a friend about it. If you don't have a friend, please leave a review so your internet friends can find the show a little easier. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Why Is That podcast. Cheers.